in the news for December 15th, 2023. I am Brett Burney from AbsonLaw.com. And this is Jeff Richardson from iPhone JD. Hey, Brett. Hello, Jeff. The time has come. <laughs> I installed <laughs> iOS 17.2, I think, what, three days ago or something like that? I forget yeah. exactly when it came it out, actually, but you I'll and I have been talking about this. It came this. out on yeah. Monday, which surprised oh, me good. because Apple will often release upgrades on Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't normally see it on Monday, so I was surprised to see it on Monday, but go ahead. I was ready. We've been yeah. talking about it for a while, and I was yeah. ready. I had it done. I had all my devices updated uh, by the end of the day, but... Couple of good articles have already come out. You link to this one in uh, uh, Gadget Hacks. Fifty nine new features and changes for the iPhone with seventeen point two. There's a lot here. I gotta say, some of them kind of like, well, that's not such a, you know, that's not. There's not a whole lot of good, but a lot, a lot of biggies. But there's some really nice small tweaks in here. Yeah, I like this article that uh, Justin Myers does at Gadget Hacks because he yeah. really does like he counts as a new feature even the tiniest little thing. So it's not truly 59 (laughs) things, you know, some of these are minor, but they are changes. There are 59 changes and some of them are super, super, super tiny, but some of them are are bigger and important. Um, You know, there's the the, sort of the tap backs instead of the traditional tap back for messages in the messages app, um, where you only have like six different things. Now you can put an emoji on a message and it goes into a special little spot on it. So it's just something that comes up in the, in the pop-up menu. What is it called? It's called add uh, add sticker. Sticker tap back reaction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The big one, though, is this journal app, which is interesting. Um, You know, on the one hand, I don't consider myself a journaler. But on the other hand, have you opened up this app, Brett? Because it's pretty impressive. I just barely opened it. And then I was like, I don't have time to look at it right now. But I knew there was going to be some folks that are coming out. And you've got a couple of other links here to some reviews, which I'm going to open it now. (laughs) What's interesting to me is, you know, journal apps have been on for forever. There's one called Day One that people say is really fantastic. Very nice. Um, and um, but I would I, I've from what I understand that when you're going to sit down to journal something, whether you're writing in handwriting or you're doing it digitally, you know, it's always what are you going to say about today? You know, what did I have right. for lunch? Blah, blah, blah. And right. the cool thing is that the new <laughs> Apple journal app, it gives you ideas of what to talk yeah. about. And it does right. that based upon recent pictures that you've added or recent albums you've listened of songs you've listened to or recent places that you've been. And what I think is really cool is if you just open up the journal app and look at it for yourself, it will suggest like for the past couple of days, it's like, do you want to talk about the fact that on Tuesday you were at such and such? And you're like, oh yeah, I guess I was there. And they're good yeah. little sort of reminders of things that you might want to talk about. And then what's particularly nice is that when Apple came out with the journal app, it's not this closed garden, but instead it is much like the Apple calendar app can work with an unlimited number of third-party calendar apps, this is the same way. So if you use another app like um, Day One, um, Day One can tap into it. And the thing is, you know, traditionally, Day One would not have access to your photos and your songs and stuff like that for privacy reasons. But because of this, um, this API that they've done, now the Day One app can basically just say, you know, hey, iOS, pop up a screen of things that are recent. The app has no idea what's being shown on the screen. And it's not until you actually say, I would like to take this picture and put it in day one, or I would like to put this location and put it in. And so you can still keep things private. Um, But then again, if you want to talk about it, then you can easily put it in there. So, you know, again, I I don't know. I've started playing around with it, you know, just jotting down little things to see what it is. I don't know if I'll stick with it. Um, But um, you know, at the same time, I will admit this is not really journaling, but I save a lot of old yeah. emails that go back forever. And there have been times, Brett, <laughs> when I've been looking for something and suddenly I'll find myself looking through emails from like 2010. And, you know, you're there uh-huh. and then you're like, oh, yeah, I see this email from October of 2010 that was talking about such right. and such. 
I remember that. And it'll bring a memory, much like looking at an old picture will bring back a fun memory. So I do understand the idea of journaling, not only because it's sort of good for mental health to sort of, you know, think about your day, but also for the future to look back on it. So I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool that Apple has done this app. They've done it the right way by working with third parties. And, um, you know, this is one thing, but it's this is just one of the things that's in iOS 17.2. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I underscore, I, you know, it, I, I'm not that big of a journaler myself either, right? Like sitting down and writing a diary, dear diary, you know, what's going on today. But this story you linked to, this review from Dan Moore, and I think really brought it out. Like this is almost like a, a, a capturing tool, yeah. <laughs> if you will. Like like for me throughout the day, I just really appreciated the way that Dan was like bringing this up. He's not much of a journaler either. He's a journalist, not a journaler. <laughs> that's, that's what he said in his story here. But just the fact that like it captured a picture that he took at this convention center and the little map and then he just had a little comment like oh yeah i went there you know this the smell was bad or you know whatever the case may be but it's just really neat that i, I kind of liked it from that aspect if i could get yeah. into a habit of like saying well you know exactly what you're talking about with your emails like oh yeah i remember six years ago that you know we went and visited this this concert mm -hmm. and it's just kind of nice to see it which is similar and dan's point in here as well to maybe some of the what the photos app is doing right it'll yeah, bubble similar. up memories kind of a thing like that which is really neat yeah. In fact, what yeah. might be cool for me personally is what if I never journaled at all, but the Apple app could just create a journal for me based upon, you know, much like the Photos app does for photos. Of, right. Here's a memory of 10 years ago today. You know, wouldn't it be interesting if the journal app could say, I've put this together based upon the places you were, right. the, you know, right. people that you've texted with, the pictures you have. I don't know. That's an interesting idea. That's not this version of journal, but uh, regardless. Anyway, not it's a yet. cool app. So it's, it the, could. The, the real thing yeah. is if you, if you haven't checked it out, I encourage everybody listening to this to check it out. Yeah. So that's a cool one. Um, there, there's unlimited things to talk about. Like, can I mention one more that I thought? was really cool sure. you know how on the new um iphones you have this i guess it's just the pros right the 15 pros you've got this button at the top that you can assign to do something special as opposed yeah, to the, the action button the switch the action button right and so um the action button is really cool and it's been really cool since i got my new phone but there's a new action added to it with 17.2 for yes. the apple translate app and i will yes. tell you brett it works really Whoa. okay really you've tried well. it already it's nice. so cool i mean all you do is you just hold down the if, if you first have to assign the translate app to that action right. button but then right. once you do it let's so let's say i'm, I'm visiting france or, or something like that so if i have it set up for my trip then all i do is just hold down the button and say something in english and as you're speaking what? your words appear on the screen and as soon as you stop it instantly translates it and says it out loud it's like having a translator standing next to you and instantly translating everything that you say into a foreign language no it's really really cool and so no it, it, i don't it, it's not going to work the other way you actually have to open up the translate app if you want it to translate back but i can see so many times you know you're around you just want to quickly say something in in french or spanish or russian or whatever the language is if you know if translation is important to you being yeah. able to use it with the action button is really 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 cool so i guess i completely mistook this i thought it was like you turned on the camera to translate like some text or something mm -mm. but what you just described is pretty amazing like that's happening on your own little translator like you said in there yeah. uh that's interesting. And so you can change that because I've just kept mine on like the silence of the phone, you know, like almost like the mute mm -hmm. button, like the old clicker button was. And maybe this will get me to make that change finally on there. I really like uh, that aspect.
Yeah. Uh, yeah, this list, I mean, I had to search because <laughs> when you were talking about this, he's got a nice little uh, piece here on the action button being able to change, but he's got so many other little tiny settings in here. Uh, it, there was a, like three or four about the books app, which <laughs> I got to admit, I don't even, I didn't even know the books app. I don't app use was the still... Apple books app. So yeah, so I didn't really pay too much attention to those. <laughs> <laughs> that was there. And then I also like, there was one thing really that just, I was like, ooh, I got to find it now. But apparently in your dynamic island, when you have an alarm go off in that little mm -hmm. dynamic island up there, now the alarm clock is animated in the dynamic island. <laughs> I did not notice hey, that. I'll but take it. <laughs> speaking of alarm clock, let me give you another one that I love. Yes. So okay. I've talked to in the past that I'm a big fan of the standby mode where I right. put my iPhone. So when I'm sitting here working at my desk and I'm not working, I've got the little, who is it? Uh, Belkin Anchor, whatever company makes this thing. Uh, Anch Anchor is the one Anchor, that I have yeah. here at my desk that I just That's stick my phone on it. Yeah. And um, it used to be that Apple, of course, had clocks in the standby mode. That's one of the three modes is clocks. But many, many of the clocks were analog clocks, and I sort of preferred a digital clock. And so right. for the last couple of weeks, I had been using the Widgetsmith app, which was fine. But to use it, only had the clock on the left side. Anyway, long story short, now Apple has, which actually, here's a picture of it. Um, I'll hold it yeah. up a little camera. It's a very nice little, you know, I, I took this screenshot. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's a nice large numbers you can put whatever color you want big. and um, like it. it take it's super big and it's got in the corner the day the date so i can see what dates it is and the temperature you know for whatever that's worth but i like it because uh, again the same reason i liked it before as i'm doing my work and everything else and especially because as a lawyer i build my time in in increments right. of the hour i can just sort of i'm, I'm always glancing down and i see a nice big clock nice. there were clocks before it's just the brand new clock that they've added in this it's 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 the biggest one it's it's super easy to see it seems it's like, like a no brainer. super simple yeah yeah i mean I, you know they had a very easy to see digital clock i know that doesn't sound very exciting but i'm telling you <laughs> this one's better than the ones difference. that they had before so it's really cool so um but so that's a million little things if i encourage yeah. folks to take a look at the list you'll find some other fun things that are relevant to you there's a lot that's new in addition to ios 17.2 for the iphone and the ipad watch os Got an update as well to 10.2. Not as much new in this, but some nifty little options here now that you can uh, change in the settings, which I've already done. I like this. Yeah. So I'm going to save one of my uh, favorite features for my tip of the week. But one of them, another one I'm going to talk about right now, which is it's, it's just sort of a return to the old. And I've mentioned this in past podcasts. I like to switch the watch faces on my watch from time to time. Right. And it used to be that you could just swipe left or right to do that and then that stopped <laughs> now you can do it again but here's the key to do it um you have to change the settings which i know we talk about all the time but you have to change the settings on the apple watch and i underscore that because i don't know about you Brett, yeah. but i never go into settings on my apple watch right like when i think about changing something on my iphone i go to the settings app when i take when i think about changing something on my apple watch <laughs> i usually think about the apple watch app on my iphone right but this right. is one of those things that's right you actually have to go in the settings of the Apple Watch itself and then scroll in there and th there's a link uh, on the article that shows you where you go for it. But you can right. set it so that you can just swipe left and right to change the watch screens. And I mean, get, getting rid of that, I mean, again, it was a step backwards that Apple took um, last fall uh, or, or this this fall a couple of months ago. And now right. um, they've gone back. So that's one thing that's really cool. And then another thing that I thought was cool about this, and, and this was one of the articles that I linked to um, from CNET, is that 
the newest Apple Watches, you can actually talk to Siri to get your yes. health data. But what I thought was interesting about this is not the feature. I mean, the feature is pretty cool. You could talk to your watch and say, you know, what's my heartbeat or whatever else. But what's interesting about it is that this feature only works on the newest Apple Watch Series 9 or the new Ultra 2. And you may think, right. well, I have... I have Siri on my older watches. Right. Why can't it do this? And the reason yeah. is that Apple didn't want to include this feature unless, um, because when you're talking about your health, you're obviously talking about confidential information. Apple didn't want that that right. that the Siri command to leave your watch and and go to your phone and go up to the cloud or wherever else. It wanted to keep that all on device because that's Apple's big privacy thing. Is they they do all that they keep everything on the device so it maintains the privacy of your information. There's no risk of a third party hacking some website and finding out about right. your private health data. And so only these newest watches have the um the pro the the, the new processor that's powerful right, enough. Right. To do Siri online, so I just you know what was interesting to me is you know sometimes people say does it really matter if you have a, a more powerful <laughs> processor in your Apple Watch? It's just it a could. watch, right? You know the one that I had two years ago had plenty of power, but this is an example of why you actually can get some new features by having a more powerful processor, a more powerful chip inside of the Apple Watch. Good to know. So the iPhone down, the watch OS down, Apple TV. I don't know if this was a new thing with the Apple TV. Uh, you linked to a story from Johnny Evans in Computer World, which I know we talked about this last week, yeah. using the Apple TV with the Zoom app. And I like how Johnny here goes a little bit more into detail about it. Yeah, I mean, one thing that you and I sort of thought about, but he, he goes into it more detail. You know, what does it mean that Zoom is now an app on the right. Apple TV that can work right. with continuity camera. But what it means is that many times at a business, you know, a business of all sizes, certainly at my law firm, we have this, we have some specific rooms that you can go to for video conferences. And we have right. very expensive equipment that we've paid. I don't even know what the companies are that we buy all these cameras and everything else <laughs> to make everything work very well. But what he's pointing out is that if you have a small office that has a television in it, all you need is an Apple TV, you know, which is mm. relatively inexpensive. And then you can just use continuity camera with your iPhone or your iPad, right. whatever. And then suddenly you have a very nice, powerful video conference room that will work for your Zoom conferences. Um, and so it, you know, it's, it's really something to consider. I mean, it, you may already have the tools that you need for a small business to have a sophisticated teleconferencing setup using Zoom, which so many people use. Right. So it's, a, I just thought it was an interesting way to think about it in this article for small businesses. Yeah, I like this. First of all, I, I followed Johnny Evans a long time because mm -hmm. I love his little column name is Appleholic. Yeah. <laughs> he's an Appleholic. But he's always good. He's always does a good job of not only just talking about the consumer aspect of a lot of the Apple products, but he has been one that over the years has focused on even like the, the business aspects. Because he even says right here in a subtitle, did you miss that Apple TV is now an enterprise product? <laughs> that might be going a little too far, but it's just it's just the idea of exactly what you were describing, Jeff. It's like, hey, you can use these consumer tools or products devices now even in some kind of a small to mid-sized business that kind of a thing and that's uh that's really neat yeah a couple of weeks ago we talked about apple giving out their app awards like the best mm -hmm. apple awards which i thought was great uh flighty uh, i'm sorry owl trails was the winner flighty was like yeah. the runner-up <laughs> i wanted them both to win well <laughs> now a lot of other people getting in on this kind of an idea here but these are great stories because if nothing else it just gives you more access to different uh different apps you link to a story nine to five mac where 
Now Apple unveils the most downloaded app. And then I think the next story here, I'll just jump into it, is what I was talking about. Mac Story selects some of their best apps of the year. But this was neat. This first one, we'll talk about the most downloaded apps of the year. Apple released these. uh, And it was just kind of interesting to see the list a little bit here. Yeah, so Apple's not saying that these are the best apps, and it's—I mean—they're just right. saying statistically the most, these are the ones that most people right. are downloading. And so it's going to have <laughs> things like you know TikTok and Instagram and things that you YouTube. I mean, of course, people are downloading those things. The number one f- uh, free iPhone app is one Brett that I did not even know about it until I, I had to ask my wife what I, this neither is. Neither did I. It, this I'm thing with called you. Temu, T E M U, and it's been yeah. I mean, some people are rolling their eyes at us because, of course, they know I what know, it is. It's been around for over a year, and it's a way that you can buy. <laughs> suffice it to say, it's sort of like a dollar store on your iPhone. You can buy okay. relatively okay. inexpensive items from uh, direct from the manufacturers in China. Some people talk about the quality not always being there, but you can right. definitely, you know, spend. You know, it's it's a good way for deals, and it, and there's a lot more to the app than that. There's social aspects today. of losing points, but it was just interesting that that's the number one thing. So people are definitely thinking about you know commerce and stuff like that. Right, right. Um, what were some of the that other ones? That was the free that, apps. Yeah. Then they the have like, they break app. it out into free apps and the top paid apps here. Yeah. Shadow Rocket, that's a, that's a, that's a, um, a, a VPN thing, you know, to, to right. uh, hide your IP address and some other ones that are good in here. Procreate, which is great. Um, yeah. Those uh, were good. Games. They have the free iPhone games, Monopoly Go, Roblox. I mean, a lot of this kind of stuff. Again, yeah. most of these, the vast majority of these, I think uh, along the lines of what you're thinking, Jeff, yeah. it's I, I expected and I anticipated. Uh, yeah, just a couple of them were kind of like, wow, that's a little interesting why that one's there where it well, is. Well, let's pa- pause um, for a second on the top yeah. iPad uh, free apps because, you know, many of them are things like, you know, Max, which is for streaming HBO and right. Netflix. YouTube but number Netflix. six on the list is GoodNote 6, which <gasps> is my favorite app for taking yes. handwritten notes on my iPad. And the fact that they are top, you know, of course, it's listed as a free app because you can download it for free and then you can pay if you want to get some more powerful features. But I love the fact that people are trying that out because I really love that app. Can I just say, I was last week or earlier this week, actually, I was at a conference. I was given a presentation and the the session that I was doing was really focusing on AI, Jeff. You know, mm-hmm, all, mm-hmm. we don't talk about a whole lot of this podcast, uh, but AI is like the the what everybody else is talking about. Absolutely. And it was interesting because I was talking about all kinds of things about using AI, you know, from chat GPT to, you know, using it within like Netflix or anything. But I tell you what came up and I presented this was something like GoodNotes. They're now using using AI so well from the aspect of like handwriting recognition to where, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of folks in our profession try to think, well, can I convert my handwriting into editable text? That is possible. But in some cases I'm like, well, just leave it in your handwriting. But the fact that these apps like GoodNotes can search your handwriting, that is just blows me away. And now it can even, I think, even anticipate what you might be handwriting out. It's just yeah. amazing. So, you know, and the fact that, first of all, it's GoodNotes, an app on an iPad that is having this much power. You and I have both followed good notes and notability for many years, and it's just wonderful to kind of see them continuing to evolve and uh, and to uh, uh, to work on this. What good notes is doing for AI is it can take your handwriting and it can suggest edits. And so let's say that you wrote a word and you left out a letter by mistake. It will actually add the letter in there, but it will use artificial intelligence to make the the letter that was missing, you know, the A or the O or the E, whatever it's adding, make it sort of look like it's in your handwriting, which is the AI part of it. So it's it's sort of incredible. 
Yeah. So interesting. List Very good stuff. There. All right. We'll put this list in for folks. And then, hey, if that's not all, <laughs> here's some other apps you might want to look at. So I don't, I guess Mac Stories has been doing this for several years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the whole team getting together. We follow John Voorhees and Frederico, of course, and some of the other folks on here. But they have categories best new app, best app update, and several others here. I thought a couple of these I still had not heard of, but several of them I had. And I just thought they do such a great job of going through and explaining you know why they selected it what is so great about it and most of these apps are already reviewed a lot of times on the website as well but great roundup here yeah and i think we've talked about many of these we were just mentioning flighty widget smith i was just talking about ivory which is a great mastodon client the first one that yeah. they have is their app of the year orion i think you and i mentioned it before brett it's an app I that think basically so. turns your ipad into an external display so that if you yeah. have like a video game machine or anything right. that exports video you know professional uh, uh, film folks could use this too. If, if you're just looking for a screen to hook up to, this will allow your iPad to be that screen. Um, you just need to have like an HDMI to a USB-C connector. And um, and I know a lot of folks find it really useful to have an external screen. I mean, technically you, you could have like a Windows computer and you could use this app to set up your iPad next to it and have yeah. your iPad be a second screen for your Windows computer so that while you're in the coffee house, you have a two screen setup instead of a one screen Absolutely. setup. You know, so, you know, this is just an example. It's a pretty innovative idea. And um, I know the people that have been using Orion, it's, it's not something that I really need for my practice, but from what I understand, it works incredibly well. So. Well, I'm going to I'm going to tr- try this out because I, as as you know, I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned this before. That's exactly how I use my iPad, my 12.9 inch mm-hmm. iPad, along with my MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. The iPad is my second screen and it's really and good. Built in. I, yeah, the Apple it's built that in. Built that's in all built in continuity. continuity. Exactly. So that's why but I mentioned I, for a Windows right. computer. This gives you the same exactly. thing. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing. I just got a Windows laptop not too long ago. And I'm like, man, I really, you know, and it's only a 13 inch uh, screen. So it's not that bad, but it's like, I would like some extra screen real estate. And this is a good way to do it. There's some other great ones in here. Well, and there's some very specific ones, uh, like, like an app right here. This is if you play Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> from Nintendo. Like, I don't, this is Frederico picking a specific app just for that game on there. But there's some other really good ones on, on here as well. This next story, Jeff, I, I think I need a little bit of explanation. It seems like you've been following this story a little bit closer than I have, mainly because you know, as everybody knows, we're really the Apple uh, ecosystem. But we've talked in the past that if other people that I'm texting with that don't have an iPhone, they have an Android device, it's a green bubble instead of a blue bubble. (laughs) And we've gone through, there's been some stories that have come out. It's like how, you know, that's maybe discriminating against certain people. Well, there was one small company that decided they wanted to try, they wanted to try to get it to where there was one platform that everybody could have the same color bubbles. Explain this story a little bit. The, The company is Beeper, right? Yeah. So let me start by saying that, you know, here in the United States, we think of text messaging, you know, for for Apple users, we think of iMessage as being very important, right. blue bubble, green bubble. You know, let me just acknowledge that around the world, people don't use okay, Apple nearly as much. Right. You know, WhatsApp <laughs> is by far the most popular or some of the yes. other uh, apps that people yes. use. But if you're, you know, if you do care about app, uh, the Apple messaging system, there are lots of advantages to iMessage because it's secure. It allows for, you know, the emoji we we're talking about, all these little extra features. And, and of course, it gives you a blue bubble. If you're communicating with somebody on Android, because that's traditional SMS text messaging, it's going to be a green bubble, which means they get no extra right. features. They can't share big pictures. They can't share big videos. They can't do the stickers. The security issues. You yeah. know, so whatever. The, so what Beeper has tried to do is they have 
a an app for an Android phone that allows it to communicate with Apple servers just as okay. if it was an iPhone. So okay. you're communicating with your Android friends and they appear to be iPhones. And they've been doing this through various ways over the years. But the one that they did recently is basically a way of sort of um, reverse engineering Apple's system. It was actually a 16-year-old who came up with this, who <laughs> who, who stayed anonymous. Um, he just goes by his, his online handle. But he can, he basically reversed Apple, uh, engineered the Apple system so that it would be arguably legal. And then he said, so now you can you know use this. Well, it worked for about 24 hours. Hours, and then Apple <laughs> figured out what was going on and, and shut it down. And That's then right. Deeper changed something, okay. and then it worked for another 24 hours. And then I think it's currently down again. You know, there's the cat and mouse game that they're going to go back and forth. Sure. I mean, from from the Beeper standpoint, they say, "Hey, we are we're being a good citizen. We are just letting an Android use the more secure Apple system. We are, you know." Communicating. We we came up with this on our own. We reverse engineered it. Why not let us do it? But from the Apple standpoint. You know, we don't know who this beeper company is. You know, maybe they're good, maybe they're not. Right. And whatever whatever loophole that they are exploiting, whatever backdoor that they're exploiting, a more nefarious company with, you know, trying to infect your messages with, you know, who knows what could could do the same thing. Not to mention they didn't they never got permission from Apple for using Apple's intellectual property. So there's right. like just the legal aspect and a side to the security. So, you know, different sides are gonna take different things. Um, you know, it's not like Android people can't communicate securely with sure. folks that use an iPhone. They could just use WhatsApp or they could use Signal or they could use one of the other apps or they could use Facebook Messenger or whatever. But, um, you know, so I, you know, it's it's an, it, there's a lot of interesting aspects to the story because there's the legal aspect. There's the hacker sort of mentality that they, they figured out how to pretend like it's an Apple device. Right. You know, when the beeper, I think the reason the beeper folks really got, I think the reason the story got so much attention is when they first came out, um, about a week ago, and they said that they had reverse engineered Apple's system. They said boldly, Apple will not be able to stop us from doing this because we're using the same <laughs> system that like an older Mac would use to communicate. And so okay. if you stop us from working, you're going to also stop the legitimate Apple devices from working. Oh, it turns out they were wrong hmm. about that since Apple figured out a way to turn it off a few days later. And then they got it on again, and then they got it off again. And who knows the current status? But um, you know, you know, they were bold in their predictions, and uh, Apple has a whole lot of engineers and even more lawyers. So at the end of the day, I suspect yeah. that this app will not work. When the app came out, they were charging people for it. If I was an Android person, I would not pay any money for something that's probably not going to work more than twenty four right. hours. But um, it's it's sort of been an interesting show to watch, so to speak. Well, I got to read this story a little bit better from David Pierce. A little bit that I did read through, though, it just seems like he's really balanced in this. In fact, he says right here, what is so odd about this story is that you have two sides completely at odds, but both saying entirely correct things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to your point that you were saying earlier. Uh, yeah, I don't think we've seen the last of this. But uh, even at the very end, David Pierce, you know, says there's two ways that this could play out, right? <laughs> is that um, uh, uh, the first is that Apple successfully keeps Beeper out, just like you were talking about. But the second is that maybe they could start a little bit of a revolution, right? I mean, to the point is, is you know, they they have some backing maybe in sort of the, the EU perspective, to your point again, about the fact that this is really just US-centric a lot of time, the issue here is, but, you know, the EU wants Apple to open up a whole lot of stuff on that. And, uh, you know, maybe Beeper is just one uh, 
uh, you know, uh, one chapter in that book that may eventually open some things up. On the other hand, just like he says, and like you said in the story, it's all about the uh, yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, I'll say security two more things. I'll say that. I mean, you mentioned the yeah. EU. The reality is that Apple's market share is so small in the EU compared to what's that that I think right. that EU has actually announced just this week that they don't even care about Apple. They're not a big enough player in the messaging market. <laughs> okay. Um, and then <laughs> second of all, the um. Apple announced, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that at least by the end of next year, I believe, that they're going to be supporting uh, one of the open standards that, that Google uses for Android oh, communications. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, I'm forgetting the initials or, Me or too. It's R, yeah. R or something. But, um, you know, so there will, there is going to come a time in the relatively near future where Android and iPhones will be able to communicate more securely share larger pictures, share videos and stuff. So, you know, that day is at, at, at which point perhaps the whole purpose of an app like Deeper Mini becomes right. useless. So yeah, um, anyway. uh, RCS, you were close. Thank you. Rich RCS, communication yeah. services. Yeah, that they mm -hmm. are uh, going to. Okay, well, thank you for the explanation on there. That was, it's just a little, a little odd, a little funny, but you know, I think it'll, it could be a little blip in the history of technology, but yeah, hey, that's yeah. where some of the best ideas come from a lot of times. Okay, maybe something a little more fun and useful. <laughs> if you're in your car and using CarPlay, you know, uh, my wife sometimes like to drive around different neighborhoods and look at houses. Well, now we can use the Rocket Homes app in Apple CarPlay to shop around for some of those houses as we're driving by them. This was really funny. Yeah, I, I just like the idea of you're driving down your street and you see a sign outside of a house. And they come, I wonder how much that house is selling for. Uh -huh. And then you can look at your car place thing and say, oh, Boom. okay, well, there it is. And I can see it's got three bedrooms and two baths. So it's just uh, sort of funny. It's also funny because, you know, there's not a lot of different types of car play apps. You've got your yeah. maps apps. you got your music apps. Um, this is a new type of app. I have never seen an app in CarPlay before that was for buying houses. So, you know, bravo to them for even getting Apple to put them in CarPlay. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, it's called Rocket Homes. I think it's from Rocket Mortgage, maybe? Is that where it comes from? And maybe, me. anyway, yeah, some, somehow they're affiliated there. But yeah, that's neat and cute. I like that. <laughs> well, if you have an older pair of AirPods Pro, just like I do, and you, Jeff, we and I, you and I have talked about this, I've bellyached about this quite a bit, is that the case for my AirPods Pro second generation has a lightning port at the very bottom. The newer, what, they call them third generation, right? Apple AirPods Pro no, second generation. They're still called second generation, just second, second generation, generation USB. But USB-C. Well, right. if I wanted to change the USB-C Prior to this, I would have had to buy an entire new pair Whole new set, right. of, Air of AirPods Pro second generation. Well, now, thankfully, Apple <laughs> has allowed me that I could just buy the case if I wanted to do that. Yeah. I don't know why I would bucks. with the pricing, but yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like if I'm going to pay $100, I might as well. I mean, I would go all the way, get the full, you know, brand new pair, I guess, or something. But yeah, $100 is a lot to pay to just have a USB-C connector at the bottom instead of lightning. But if it matters to you, now you can do it. Um, I'll note, by the way, that even though you can buy this directly from Apple, one thing you can't do is online. I have my little uh, logo yeah. iPhone JD engraved online. Yeah. Uh, you can't get engraving if you buy just the charging case. Uh, you can only get that if you buy a brand new pair. So can, I thought it was inevitable gotta, that Apple, up. you know, one of these days we knew that Apple would probably start selling this on its own. And I guess they have enough right. of them now in their uh in their warehouse that they can sell it just on its own. I guess. So, but I mean, heck, if you're, for some reason, your charging case, you know, breaks and you have to buy a new charging case, you know, it's nice that you can now get one that uses the more oh, modern that's true. Okay, standard that's, instead yeah. of lightning. So. That's a good point. I like that. And yeah, you may have to pay more for the AirPods Pro, but the graving is free, right? They still have the free <laughs> engraving on there. 
you may be like me in a house uh, that has a couple of teenagers in it. And so I've got my phone sitting over on the side, charging up really nicely. And then somebody comes by and yoinks my charger out of the wall. And then I can't find it anymore. So thank you, Jeff, for solving this issue in my household with the <laughs> lock socket. <laughs> <laughs> I hear this all the time in my house. My wife has got like a, a charger in the kitchen. And then like the next morning, she's like, who took my charger? I'm trying to charge my phone. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And someone has stolen my charger. <laughs> and so this device that's called Lock Socket, oh, it actually, you, sc you screw it into the actual outlet. So, I mean, I guess if the teenager could get a screwdriver, they could remove it. But that's too much work for today's teenagers uh, to, yeah. <laughs> to do that. Yeah. So you got to go uh, rummage around somewhere else. It's a little what extreme a, of a solution, and it makes me laugh more than they want to buy it. Having said that, much. It's, it's just a piece of plastic. How much does it cost? It's not very expensive. So yeah, uh, oh, it's actually twenty. That's it's a little more expensive than I thought. Almost thirty bucks. But even so, it's funny that somebody th somebody thought of this and said this would be a good idea. And I give them full credit for bringing him to market and, 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 and putting they it brought on it sale. To market. So exactly, bravo. people will That's buy very it. I'm good. sure. Hey, it's a it's a stocking stuffer, if nothing else, right? Hey, there you Just go. The season there. You there. Go. <laughs> Let's go from lock sockets to batteries. This was an amazing little story here. I'm going to bring up the this review of this. Yeah. I, I, I got to tell you, this this might be a little big for my stocking. <laughs> it might weigh it down a little bit. But after reading this review that you link to in 9to5toys, I might be ready to uh, spring for this. This is the Anchor Prime Power Bank. 250 yeah. watt portable charger. I mean, you're basically carrying like Tesla battery in your backpack at this point. <laughs> so there's two stories here, Brett. I mean, on the one okay. hand, there's the one that you're emphasizing that this is a honking big battery that can provide a lot of portable storage. Yeah. And, you know, for an iPhone or an iPad, it, well, maybe not an iPad, but for an iPhone, it's probably overkill. If you have like a, a MacBook Pro, maybe you would like having all the storage. But that's sure. that's one aspect of it. But what I think is the real story here is that Anchor has this new system that came out called, it's called Prime. Is that what you just said out loud? Yeah. The Prime, Prime, the lineup. Prime lineup. And yeah, yeah. the idea of this, I think is pretty brilliant. If you're a person who often carries a battery with you, so you know that you mm -hmm. need to charge it like every night because it starts fresh the next day, this new system has a little charging base that plugs into your wall. And so you yeah. can have a place right there on your desktop that you can always Put your anchor on it. It's got like a little proprietary little pins that you just sort of sit it in there to charge it. And then you pick it up to leave and the next morning and it's good to go. So you don't have to worry about fumbling around with the outlet and stuff. It seems like it's a nice way to charge it. And I believe that on the back of this um, – of the, of the thing that sits on your desktop, the base, I think there's actually some USB-C outs there too or something like that. Oh, so you really? can actually plug some other things into that and sort of use it as a little charging oh, yeah. station. So, um, you know, for some setups, I can actually see this make perfect sense. It gives you an easy way to charge your battery every night I have it freshly charged the next day. And then with the Prime system, you can decide how much battery you need. You know, maybe you only need a 10,000 milliamp, uh, milliamp, right. milliamp battery, which would be less expensive and it would be not weighing as much. Or if you want to go for the huge, and I'm sure heavy one here, that's even got like a digital display and stuff like that, you can do that. So I think the Prime power bank system makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense for some people. And then for people that need the extra power, this model of it makes even more sense. I got to say, Anchor is just continuing to roll through, like on the, just not just in the battery side, but in the power side. Cause we talked about those GAN, I think they're called. 
Prime too. So it's this whole Prime lineup. Lineup. But I have this little brick. Basically, we were talking about bricks here. But it's a hundred. I got the 120 watt because that can now I can plug it in at a coffee shop and it will power my MacBook Pro, my iPad, and my iPhone. And I loved having this. You were talking about one uh, last week, I think, that was only 65 watt, but it was so nice and portable because it's using this GAN technology. Right. But now, <laughs> the idea, and I like, I love this review here from, uh, is it uh, Rika at- Atland at 9to5toys? I mean, just the way that, that they were describing it, I'm like, I don't need to look for a power cable anymore, <laughs> right? I could just have this in my bag and as long as it's charged up and by goodness gracious, it's so big, it's going to keep a charge for a long time. I can power everything when I'm at a coffee shop or I'm out traveling. I mean, just the traveling alone. Now it's still big. I don't know how heavy it is, but I'm going to guess it's pretty heavy. We could probably find out. But I also like to your point quickly, going back to this little charging stand is that he even says in this review, um, it's, 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 it's more expensive to buy because the charging stand is separate. But he's like, I would not look back. I would not hesitate because he just said it's so easy just to like set it on the stand when you walk in the door and then you know that it's charging. So you don't have to specifically go and like, you know, grab it and and plug it in somewhere. I mean, it's just that it sits on a table or on a desk and you can just continue to charge it. And I just thought that that was that was really remarkable how he was describing that there. I'm the sort of person, Brett, that I always have a charger in my in my bag, my briefcase with me. Me too. I never know yeah. when I would need it. But the reality <laughs> right. is I will go weeks without needing it. And then I'll need it, and I'm so happy that I have it. So right. for me, right. this would be overkill. But if you have a different lifestyle where, you know, you work in a in a shared space or, or a coffee shop or, you know, daily, if you're constantly taking a portable power with you, I think that mm-hmm. this is great. And I, I love that Anchor came up with the solution. Yeah, let's see. Right now, it's a hundred and eighty dollars. Now that's just that's, for the that's battery. That's for the big one, and then yeah. I think the stand is what seventy, something like that. Yeah. So, and he, so to get yeah. the biggest one would be two fifty. But again, you could pay less if you get the smaller ones. That's right, because this is the two hundred and fifty watt portable charger. Uh, and then I think in the story, and you mentioned this as well, that you can get what ones for a hundred watt, and there's other ones that are you know if yeah. you don't need quite that much on there, then uh, you can use another one. Okay, great, man. That's a lot of great stuff, right? Before Christmas here, I like that. Hey, you can uh, if you if still you got to hurry if you want Amazon to deliver it on time. In the know, in the know. So we've talked about the continuity features uh, several times in the past between the Even iPhone today, and the Mac, yeah. <laughs> and exactly just today. I got to tell you one thing that I find myself using quite a bit, which. I think it's fairly obvious. Maybe some people will know it, but for me, it becomes just a really cool thing that I find myself doing several times a day. So the the idea of the continuity, I am on my iPhone. I have pulled up a web page. I wanted to read a story, or maybe I'm shopping at a certain page. Whatever page that I have open on Safari on my iPhone, and maybe I'm sitting there or I go and sit down at my desk where my MacBook Pro is sitting, I really just want to look at that website on my MacBook Pro. So in the past, what I used to have to do, Jeff, is that I would, on my phone, I would like email myself <laughs> that link, or I would maybe try to make a, a tab or, you know, it, save a bookmark and then go on my right. Mac. Well, now this is so easy that I just love doing this. I can have my phone just close to my MacBook Pro. I've got a website open and on my MacBook Pro, I can go down to my dock and I can see there's a little symbol of the Safari app there, and it has a little tiny phone in the upper right corner of it. And if I click on that, 
that literally opens the website that I have on my phone right on my MacBook Pro. Yeah. Now I like that, but I got to tell you, on my Mac, I typically hide my dock. I don't, I don't interact with my dock just a whole lot because I'm usually, you know, searching or so. But what one thing I do a whole lot on my computer, Jeff, is I'll use the Command Tab to switch between apps. So similar to like on Windows computer, you have the Alt Tab. I use Command Tab on the Mac, and if I have a website open on my phone. I can, and I do command tab, it brings up the list of apps that I have open. And if I go all the way over to the left, there is another icon there that I can pull up the website that's on my phone. So for me, it's just a nice little workflow there. By the way, I tried this on my iPhone using Google Chrome and even Microsoft Edge on my phone. And it didn't show, it showed that it was Safari, but it opened those pages too. So somehow it's doing some magic in the back that whatever website that I have open and whatever browser that I have open, I can actually use command tab on my Mac and open that same website that's open on my phone. I just find that to be such a seamless workflow for me because I'm you know, going back and forth all the time between my phone and my iPad and even on my iPad and my, and my Mac as well. The solution that you just described is probably better than what I usually do, but I do something similar <laughs> and I find it really useful. Um, okay. and again, this is only working with my Mac because it doesn't work with my PC. But if I'm in front of my Mac at home and I have my iPhone or iPad for that matter with a website open, what I would right. do is I copy the URL. You know, I tap on the URL yes. and then do copy. And then because the devices are so close to each other using the, the, the continuity stuff on my Mac, I'll just go yeah. into my browser and paste. And right. It works about 95% of the time. Every once in a while, it doesn't work. But usually, yeah. the thing that I just copied on my iPhone is there for me to paste to my Mac. Um, but I'd have to think about, you know, the 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 what I do to go and select it and copy and then paste and then hit return and over to my page. What, <laughs> there the, you what, go. the tip that you described may be actually a little faster. Um, I'll have to start trying that one. But it's, Try it's that just, and report it's, back. It's yeah. nice. I mean, it's <laughs> it's nice that you don't have to like retype the URL by hand or something crazy like that. I, I do love that you have some abilities uh, to go back and forth. So that's, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. That's yeah. my tip for the day. So my tip for the day has to do with um, workouts on uh, the watch. And as oh, I sort okay. of, uh, yeah, I, I previewed right. this earlier, watch. I was saying one of the things that I liked about watch OS uh, 10.2 is that I can now go back to the old way of switching between apps on my screen. Another uh, thing that yeah. you can do, and again, to do this, you have to go into the settings on the on the watch to do it, is when watch OS 10 came out last, what is it, September or something like that, a couple of months ago, right. one of the right. changes is that when you got to the end of your workout, um, and you say, I'm done with my workout. I, I tap on my watch to say I'm done. Yes. A little pop-up comes up and says, do you want to end the workout? And I'm like, yes, I just told you I wanted to end the workout. Why are you asking me a second time? We're just and confirming. <laughs> the reason that it's annoying is that and I've just finished a workout. I'm tired. You know, right. I'm yeah. perhaps Don't not in the, I'm not in the most friendly Jeff mood. And so when somebody <laughs> says, are you sure you want to stop this workout? I'm like, come on. You know, it perhaps annoys me a little more than it would if I was in a more pleasant personality. Perhaps. Space. So that alert has been annoying me. Now, I know it's there for a reason. For some people, if they end their workout prematurely just by actually topping it. But the thing is, I don't think you can do that by accident. I mean, it's, it, you have to actually, you know, go yeah. through a little swipes to end a workout. Right, right, so right. that alert box just killed me. Every time I stopped a workout, it drove me crazy. And wow. so I am okay. thrilled to, to report <laughs> that our long national nightmare is over. And in watchOS 10.2, 
if you on the watch, go to the settings app on the watch, scroll all the way to the bottom, all the way to the bottom, probably the last one you have because it's got a W is workout. And if you go to workout, three things I'm going to tell you about that you can do there. One of them is you can go and there's an option called end workout confirmation. You can turn that puppy off, and I encourage you to do so because <laughs> it has have. made me so happy. I did this. I mean, what we say? It was Monday of this week oh, that the feature yeah. came out, and I was yeah. on my treadmill. Uh, I think it was the very next day, and I finished my workout, and I stopped it, and it did not prompt me again. And Brett, <laughs> I felt just a wave <laughs> of happiness come upon me. So while I was there, however, I discovered two more things that you can do in that exact same area that I actually did yes. not know about. Um I'm sure you've had this happen before where you're outside walking around, maybe at a brisk pace, and your watch says it appears that you're doing an outside yes, walking workout. I do. do. You want to start yeah. a workout? And some people might say yes. Um, for me, the answer has always been no, because if I'm doing a workout, you can be darn sure that I'm going to purposefully do a workout. If I just happen to be walking <laughs> yeah. around fast enough for it to think I'm doing a workout, no, 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 no. And so by default, it's on. But what I did is I turned it off. So now – if my watch thinks I might be working out, oh, it's not going to prompt me and ask me. It's going to only record workouts when I tell it to do so. And that works fine for my personality because, believe me, if I'm starting a workout, I'm going to get credit for it my watch. I'm going to tell it. There's another option there, too, <laughs> called End Workout Reminder. That yes, one's also on by it. default. And I actually like leaving that one on because for okay. me, again, I might be finished. You know, I've been at the treadmill for 30 minutes and I'm getting off and I'm sort of tired. And, I, you know, all I'm thinking about is I want to get some water to drink or I want to go change or whatever. And I forget to stop my workout on my Apple Watch. And what will happen is after a few minutes of it noticing that my heart rate has gone down and that it no longer senses right. that I'm working out – I will get a pop-up alert saying, uh, hey, Jeff, did you want to end that workout? And that one, actually, I do find useful. And so I have kept that one turned on so that I can say, oh, yeah, I totally forgot. And, of course, when you do that, what was a 30-minute workout will then be recorded as like a 35-minute workout because of that extra five minutes. But, you know, so be it. Um, So I actually like that one. And so I keep it on. But if you don't like that one, you can turn it off. But I I didn't even realize where all these things were controlled. No joke. So so that's my tip. There's so much in here. Settings on the watch go all the way down to workout. And those are the three things that I think you at least make a conscious decision. Do you want yeah, to have yeah, the reminders yeah. at the end of your workout for confirmation? Do you want to, you know, have to confirm the end? Do you want to end, you know, all these, you know, make make your decision of what's best for you and you'll be much happier. So that's my tip. Or you can be like Jeff and turn off two of them. <laughs> I, I kind of like the start workout reminder because it's like if I'm walking around, uh, I, I may not be logic. working out, yeah. but I'm like – Yes. Yeah, I do want to get credit, credit for yeah. that watch. Yeah, no, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you count that watch. Thank you. But you know, for, for me, Brett, I usually get that alert like five seconds before I walk into the store that I was walking to. Right. And I'm like, well, don't, so like, don't do it now because I'm about to stop. You know, what's the whole point? So maybe that's why I don't like it. But maybe that's just me. So I don't know. <laughs> Good tips, though. I mean, I just I did not realize like how many settings were in there in that workout thing. Oh, so there's, tons, there's a whole yeah. lot more for like cycling and stuff like that. But those mm. are good. And I did tur- turn off that in in workout confirmation. So thank you. <laughs> I'm not You'll be happy. I'm, you not, did so. I'm not quite as uh, as uh, as an animosity about it. But I, I, I see where you're coming from on there it's good stuff 
All right, my friend, that'll do it. Um, we are going to be off next week, just so everybody knows. Next week will be December 22nd. And so for Christmas, we decided we're going to uh, give ourselves a break one week. But um, we'll be itching to get back the week after. That'll be the 29th, Absolutely. I believe, because uh, there'll be a lot of stories to report on here. But hey, everybody, have a great and happy holiday. Enjoy your uh, Apple products or whatever other technology products that you're going to be using this this holiday season. Thanks, Brad. Happy holidays to everybody.